Season two, episode 20. I am your host, Eric. Main man right there, Ron. How you doing? Good, good, good. Hey, we were so excited about today and unfolding so much in the sports world that we decided we didn't need an intro. It you works know, for me. Right? We don't we don't need the intro every time because guess what? We've got so much to cover that if you know we run out of stuff to cover, there'd be a probably an issue. So we are hopefully being joined uh, today by our special guest, Todd Mackin. Uh, he should be joining us shortly. So till then, we're going to just kind of cover some of these top stories. And our leadoff story is the Boston Celtics versus the Miami Heat and game two of the Eastern Conference Finals, which uh, was played yesterday where Boston won 127 to 102 and uh, obviously tied the series back up at 1-1. So what I will ask you, uh, Ron, first off, is what were your thoughts of last night's game? And then the series going forward, what your expectations would be? Well, what what happened last night is kind of what I expected to happen right from the beginning. Um, but game one, you know, no Hawford and no Smart, and that made a big difference. I didn't think it was going to make that big of a difference, but it did. Um, but as you can see, what happened... Um, you know, it, it went how I expected the series to go, you know, so it's one, one now. So they already stole back home court advantage and, and that's what the Celtics really needed and should, should thrive because of that. Chakra. Thanks for joining. So, uh, as I looked at it, you got three big stars now, uh, legitimately in Boston, uh, Tatum, Smart, and Brown each scored over 20. Uh, Tatum leading with 27, Smart and Brown with 24. But they're getting contributions for some of the bench players. Grant Williams has had a very good playoff series back-to-back now. So these are two good right. back-to-back series for, for Grant Williams. And then Peyton Pritchard yesterday, uh, as much as sometimes I feel like he gets overmatched, when he gets hot, and you can see his confidence level. He does very well for Boston. He scored 10 points. Look at the Boston shooting as well yesterday. 51% from the field, 50% from three-point range. So when you talk about the opportunities that Boston had yesterday, if they continue to shoot the ball as well as they have, there's no reason why they lose this series. No, and, hope- and like I like I said, you know, when we did the playoff preview. I don't think Miami is really as good as their record showed this year. Um, I mean, yes, they finished on top of that conference, but when you really look at it, Brooklyn, they coasted, like literally coasted too much. And Milwaukee, they coasted through the season, and they started getting hot around the same times the Celtics were. When you think about the Celtics, you know, in January, they were in 10th place. So, so you know, and then those two teams turned it on and almost caught Miami. If there was another yeah. week left, they would have caught them. Yeah, I could clearly see that. I, I look at a couple of positives when I'm looking past yesterday in, in the series going forward. You and Kenny have both picked Boston to win the whole thing. Yep. I'm st- you're starting to make me a believer. And I will tell you why. 
So not only did we get past the Milwaukee Bucks, who played a very good series and were down Middleton, and I think that may be the reason why Boston got by, but, you know, injuries happen. Yeah. But if you look at this series now, Boston has pretty much won seven out of the eight quarters. There was one quarter in game one, that third quarter, where Boston just fell apart. Yeah. If they can not do that consistently in this series, there's no reason why Boston doesn't just coast through. Because and, they've dominated pretty much the entire two two games except for that one third quarter. Yeah, and, and look, Eric, we've talked about this several times already. The reason why they fell apart in that third quarter was because of the constant whining and complaining about the refs. Yeah. And the Celtics are too good for that. You know, like, come on. Stop the crying and play the game. And that is what, you know, that is why they fell apart. You know, because it was so focused on, you know, the referees and it wasn't their fault. Yeah. So you know, I think don't turn the ball over. Having smart back, you saw less turnovers. Boston had less turnovers in game two and caused more in game in game two for Miami. Big key again, the role players. Rob Williams honestly has as much opportunities when it comes to defense and what it means to that team as Marcus Smart, because you could see Miami pulling up short on a lot of shots because they were afraid about getting blocked. If he can continue to stay healthy, they can win this whole thing. They can be the NBA champions. It's going to all depend on health at this point. We saw what happened when Smart and Hawford were out in game one. They can't afford to have those too many injuries or guys out because, look, as well as Tatum and Brown are playing, it's the collective team that you're seeing make the difference. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, you know, the Boston Celtics has basically their destiny in their own hands. It's whether or not they self-destruct. And and again, Aime Aduka very quietly has become one of the best coaches in the league. And I know it's early. Right. But you think about what he's done from a standpoint of getting them into the playoffs like you said, January, 10th yeah. seed, hunkering down, making them more defensive, making them pass the ball better, making Tatum a, a smarter player where he's actually yep. feeding and distributing as well. It's not just about scoring anymore. Yeah, That's all because of his coaching. And then Brad Stevens, as much as we disliked some of the things he was doing, right? But you think about it. He knew what players he wanted <laughs> to get back. He got Hawford back. How big was that deal? Hawford is probably the the trade of the season. It's right, got to be. Sure. At this point, at this it point, means. you look at all the players that were traded at the deadline, no one ha- has impacted their team like Hawford has. No one. No, I mean, right? And then even, even with Daniel Tyson, some of the guys, we, but look, it's minutes. It's a guy that brings some toughness when they need it. So again, all those moves, very good for Brad Stevens. This is a perfect match right now for Boston. Yeah. You've got a, a general manager, a president of operations that's going to make some smart moves, a coach that knows how to get these players to do more and excel. Yep. This, this is a dynasty in the making if they can all stay healthy and continue to grow. Yeah, and that is the big problem. Yeah, we'll we have to see stay how healthy. that turns out. Well, let's get by this season first, right, before we start <laughs> yes. something to other yes. seasons. Yes, yes. But we are going to go on to our interview. Uh, Todd is uh, now with us. Todd Mackin, the president of Spire Hockey. 
Uh, so excited to have him join us. Todd, how are you today? I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Uh, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you uh, taking the time out to uh, join Sports Unfolded tonight. No problem. Um, I've been traveling all over the place. Time to wrap up a couple hockey teams here. So gotcha. um, getting getting to you guys from my car. So ready to rock, though. <laughs> we'll take it any way we can get it, right? Yeah. That's that's We appreciate it. So um, before we start, let's uh, just let everybody out there know uh, a little bit about yourself, what you're kind of doing now, and in, in, in what organizations you're actually running. So um, I worked in the NFL for about 10 years, um, moved over to um, the ECHL um, when the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, purchased a double-A hockey team in Kansas City, the Kansas City Mavericks. Um, so uh, moved over to that. Um, in my college days, I played a couple of sports and then, uh, and then got my master's and so kind of ran through that. Uh, so I was always very passionate about this industry. Um, and then when I was with the, the Kansas City Mavericks, I was uh, kind of ran the business side of things. So um, was uh, vice president of sales and then the executive vice president of the team. Uh, got an opportunity with this company called Spire Sports and Entertainment, which I'm currently working with, um, to run a ECHL team, which is the AA affiliate of the Arizona Coyotes in Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, so I was their president. Um, and that company, uh, Spire Sports and Entertainment, has evolved and grown and bought another team, which is the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. Um, that team is the AA affiliate of the Florida Panthers um, and also uh, has a working agreement with the LA Kings. So we, we kind of draw, draw from two teams. If you're not familiar with the ECHL, it has uh, 27, now 28 teams. Uh, every team in that league is uh, affiliated with an NHL property. Um, the goal is to grow it and, and be uh, equal with the NHL, just like the American League. Um, okay. But, you know, our team in Greenville, we had two goaltenders both called up directly from us to the NHL. So um, okay. lots of opportunity, nice. lots of players developing. Um, our goal is to, you know, win hockey games and get guys to the next level. Gotcha. And then uh, our parent company, um, Spire, uh, Spire Holdings owns a couple of NASCAR charters, the 7 and the 77. Um, so Corey LaJoy drives the 7, and then Josh Balicki and Landon Ca Castle both drive the 77. And then we own a truck series team um, that is in NASCAR as well, which is uh, they drive the 7 in that one. And uh, we've won a truck series race this year, uh, had a couple of top five finishes in, in, in the Cup Series. <clears throat> we also manage a couple of dirt tracks, one in Knoxville, Iowa, uh, one in Nashville, uh, we have a company called Track Enterprises that goes around the, the Midwest and runs uh, dirt track events. Um, wow. And then we have a agency, and those guys uh, lovingly call themselves the Redneck Jerry Maguires, and they represent. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty good. They represent uh, drivers in, in motorsports. So across wow. all platforms, uh, from IndyCar to um, you know dirt track guys so they're uh, that are up and coming so they're kind of all over the place there so we have our hands on a lot of different things yeah um i, I touch that. some of that um in the motorsports side i'd say enough to be dangerous but uh <laughs> but i'm very very engaged in the hockey side okay great so uh let me ask you so again you mentioned two teams the greenville uh swamp rabbits and the rapid city rush uh how is that possible that you can run two organizations is that not a, a conflict or is there some kind of way that you, you kind of split it up. I know they're affiliated with different teams, but how does that actually work for you? Well, you know, my, my main role is to uh, hire the hockey operations side of things. So I hire these guys and I make sure that they're good to go. And, um, you know, hockey coaches, hockey guys, like they don't want to lose. 
So yeah. they, they, there is no conflict on that piece. Uh, they've even played each other this year. Um, and, you know, they want it more than ever, like beating your brother in a game, right? Um, and so my focus is making sure that the business side of things works well together. And we can learn from each other. We can build on each other. So there is a lot of um, opportunity for us on that. So we're pumped about it. Um, we, we love the opportunity to learn from each other and grow. Um, I like our hockey coaches to work from each other and, and, and learn, learn, you know, different opportunities. I want them to, um, you know, grow together, bounce ideas off each other. Um, but, you know, they, they, they also keep things close to the vest. The league also puts in place some guidelines um, not allowing us to trade and move some things that would okay. uh, potentially cause a conflict down the road. Okay. Um, but now is that you know, common? Is that common in, in the ECHL where there's two teams that, with one ownership or? No, one? it isn't. Okay. There's uh there's two, t- two organizations that do it. Um, and then there's about to be a third. So, you know, I think the interesting part about double A hockey is it is one of those industries that you can still get in at a pretty decent price point and with the opportunity to really grow and make money uh, as a real business venture. You know, you look at some of these minor league baseball teams that are selling for eight, $10 million. Like it's hard to imagine that getting any better. Right. And you know, the expansion fee in our league is, is a really reasonable number. It's one that people can get in on the ground floor. It's one that the NHL is continuing to use more and more and more, um, especially at the goalie position. Um, like Jonathan Quick played in our league, you know, Jordan Bennington played in our league, like guys that are, you know, making things happen right yeah. now in the playoffs are guys that spent time uh, developing their craft in our league. And so um, it's really starting to grow and the NHL is continuing to embrace us. And, and that's something that's very impactful for us. Excellent. Excellent. So when you said double A, is this similar to baseball? So you got like a, the triple A is it AHL? Yeah. So, like- yeah, I mean, you know, the more you talk about it, like, the more you compare it to baseball, uh, the less it, it makes sense, right? Because junior <laughs> hockey and all these things, right? You know, it's like it can get you can go all the way into the weeds on it. But um, at its core, yes, it is the same thing. So it's double A. It would be the same as double A baseball, and you know, away you go. All right. So I know you also mentioned the, the racing side of it, and you're dangerous enough to to you know be involved in it how how is that different or vary from running a hockey organization like what what are you looking for from that standpoint well you know i do not um touch the competition side at all in nascar i mean i leave that to the the professionals the only thing that i do is i help um you know sell sponsorships uh grow revenue through social platforms things like that um i have gone and worked events you know where i can get my hands dirty and do whatever's needed hang banners you know work to track, do whatever they need. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I don't, um, I don't touch the competition side. That's for way smarter people than me. Gotcha. gotcha. (laughs) So once again, if you're joining us, uh, this is sports unfolded. We are being joined by Todd Mackin, president of Spire hockey. Uh, so Todd, I wanted to ask you, obviously with the NHL playoffs being, uh, currently, you know, going on, is there a team you're rooting for? I know you're affiliated with one of the teams that is currently still in, you know, the Stanley cup playoffs, uh, do you root for that team or do you kind of look at, you know, just the NHL as a whole and, and just have your own personal favorites? No, I, I'm, I'm all in on Florida. Like uh, okay. they're our team that's left and um, I pulled for the Kings while they were playing. I, I will continue to pull for Arizona. Anytime they get an opportunity to play in the playoffs. Uh, they're the, they're the group that we cheer for. I have a 
strong, I mean, you know, guys that work in hockey, right? They've been everywhere, especially your front office staff. I have a strong policy. You can only wear our affiliate stuff in our office. You know, we keep it, we keep it tight, you know? Okay. So um, I'm pulling for them pretty hard and, and wishing them nothing but the best. I will say I always keep one eye on guys that played with organizations I've worked for. Um, okay. You know, one of the fun guys that I've been able to watch grow and advance and played for us in Kansas City was Carter Verhege, who is now a bona fide star uh, for yep. the Panthers, which has been awesome to see. Um, I do keep my eye on anybody that's played in our organization that's spending time in the in the uh, um, in the NHL. And Michael Bunting, who played for um, Toronto Maple Leafs and, and made a big impact, he played with the Rapid City Rush. So we have a lot of guys that have that have spent time with us that uh, are now getting an opportunity at the highest level, which is our goal to help and develop them and get them there. And then we want to champion them along the way. Excellent. So I got a question for you, uh, Todd. You have two teams that you're affiliated with Arizona and of course, Florida. Now they're both on the opposite ends of the spectrum. So with Arizona, you get the, the luxury of those players being able to move up faster because they seem to, you know, move more players when they become, you know, a free agent of next year. So they move them. On the other end, you, you have Florida and the, the amount of veterans that they have on this team makes it more difficult for those players to move up the ranks. So is there, is there a way that you um, basically work those teams so that, that the players do get to move up at a, at a consistent rate? Yeah, I mean, well, selfishly, we want them to stay with us as long as we can. It helps us win hockey games. So sometimes when your NHL team's not great, um, that can really help you. And and especially, you know, we mentioned a veteran-laden team. That can really, really help you because then you get a lot of youth and a lot of skill down at your level, and you're sometimes just blown away by the talent that's on the ice. Now, um, it it can go both ways, and it just really depends on the season and how it goes. Uh, While we cheer and are very excited for our guys to get that opportunity to get called up, uh, a lot of times we also get selfish and want them to be on our roster so we can make a good run. And, uh, and, you know, our, our fans expect us to win. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like we have two of the best coaches in our league, two young, hungry guys that have, uh, you know, earned it, earned the opportunity to get there. I don't feel like we're going to have them with us for long. I feel like their next step is going to be in the American league and it's going to happen soon. And, um, and so we have to build, you know, with that, we're trying to build a culture and next man up mentality, not just with our players, but with our full staff. So when I get into these affiliations, one of the main things I talk to them about is like, Hey man, like I want you to develop players. That is our goal, but I want you to also help us develop our staff. You know, if you're looking for a manager of community relations, I want you to call us and ask about our community relations department. When you're looking for a broadcaster, I want you to call us, right? And I want that to be the way we're doing things. And I think we're we're building those kind of relationships and uh, and we're excited about the future. Outstanding. So uh, I'm going to put you on a spot here. Florida is down 0-2 currently in their series. What do they need to do to ch- uh, turn it around? Well, I- I'll preface this by saying, like, I am not a born and bred hockey guy. Okay. I have, walked, I have watched a lot of hockey games. I've played 
till I was about 15 and then my feet got too big and I couldn't skate. So, you know, all those things, but, um, you know, I don't think Florida needs to do anything different. I think they're a very talented squad. And, and I mean, that, that game, both games have gone down to the wire. Um, you know, some interesting calls in game one. I think we can all debate that, um, a tough goal at the end of game two, um, they're battlers and they've been, they've had their backs against the wall. They've been doubted all year and I, I'm pretty confident they're going to come out ready to go in game three and, you know, anything can happen. So let me ask you on the opposite side of that, the Arizona Coyotes. So we actually debated about this a couple of weeks ago in their current situation, moving to the, the stadium, uh, the Arizona stadium there uh, on the college campus. Overall, how would you feel as an NHL organization? Do you feel like that's a, a great move for the organization or should they have tried to work something out to, to, to obviously stay in the stadium? Uh. <laughs> No comment on that. Okay, I don't, I don't, know. I don't think you can. <laughs> I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. I figured I'd ask and try to. I, yeah. it, it, I don't it know just, enough to really give a good answer on that. I got you. I mean, I don't think anybody thinks that it's the greatest decision for them to be playing in a five thousand seat arena uh, yeah. on a college campus. Yeah, uh, even they will tell you that. Um, but I do think that it's it's a uh, means to an end. Um, and it's an opportunity for them to really do what they've been trying to do for really 20 years there. And that's really grow hockey and really make it uh, something that, you know, uh, the community gets all behind. And, yeah. and I know they're um, talking about moving into a different location where, you know, obviously have a better fan base. So it makes sense from that standpoint. I mean, that can't be that that can't be the end goal. Right. I don't think even the NHL would tell you that that's a viable option yeah. um they're, they're probably you know I, I can't speak for that many anything but i'm saying he's probably not thrilled about that situation either but you know they they've got to do what's best for them and uh you know we, we have to do what's best for us too with the rapid city rush like uh, our affiliation agreement with them is over so um we do have an opportunity to explore that um and and obviously we think the world of the coyotes and their front office and and um i definitely want to try to find find a way to work there um but we do have that that option right now and 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 they need to do what's best for them and we need to do what's best for us absolutely absolutely you have a business to run just as they do so it makes sense right yeah so let me ask you this uh todd before i give to my last question uh is there any way if people want to follow spire hockey um websites or anything that you'd want to provide for them so that they could actually check out your teams in, in that organization? Yeah. I mean, we're all over social at Spire hockey. Um, the at Greenville swamp rabbits is our social handles. Um, we're very active on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Um, I, I think one of our TikToks on with Greenville got 200,000 views, wow. um, you know, and, and then um, uh, at the rapid city rush is another one. You can go on there and follow them and all these different platforms. Um, you know, I think what I would tell everybody here is if you haven't checked out minor league hockey, especially the ECHL level or the American League level, it is really fun, fast paced hockey. It is. And it is, you know, they, they talk about this and you look you look at like and I'm, I'm going to bash soccer here for a second. I shouldn't. But like you talk about the MLS and, you know, what is it the top 15 leagues in the world? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. And you look at hockey and in our country, we have, you know, three of the four probably top leagues in the world. And you have a real opportunity to watch real uh, next generation talent um, play at our level and certainly at the American League level. Because I think uh, I, I think I saw a stat that 90 percent of the guys in the NHL have played at least a game in the American League. So think yeah. about that. I mean, yeah. like that's an unbelievable opportunity for people to see that. And I think hockey is really starting to, you know, 
get a get a cult following and we want to embrace that into a bigger following uh it is so fun to go to those games i just everybody that comes to our first game is like man i didn't expect it because it is a little difficult to watch on tv if you're not familiar with the sport so uh, my thing with more of them would be like check out minor league hockey and and go check it out there are some awesome places and really cool cities that especially in our league, like we're in Orlando and Dallas, we play in the same building as the, you know, Orlando magic. Like we, you know, we are in and and sell it out. You know, sometimes they sell more tickets than that. Toledo sold out every playoff game and the building's rocking. It's it's more energetic than, you know, any building you could go to. And, and I would just say, go check us out, give us a try. It'd be super fun to, to be involved and engaged with it. And uh, you know, it's a sport that is really, really catching some attention. No, I agree. Hockey atmosphere, being at a game, is like no other, and you don't realize it till you actually go. Oh, so it's awesome! It's yeah. awesome. I remember before I took the job with the Mavericks, Kansas City Mavericks. I, uh, I, you know, at the time the Chiefs. I was working for the Chiefs, and we were two and fourteen. I was like, oh man, this is brutal. Like we were going out there, you know, it was cold. Nobody's at the games, and I went to one of these Mavericks games, and completely sold out. Five thousand people on top of each other, going nuts. You know, big fight breaks out, big goal happens, and it's just wild bananas and i'm like man this is awesome and one of the things i love about our industry um especially at this level is how hands-on our staff gets to be how important you know i I get to go out there and make decisions about coaches i get to help with affiliate decisions um at a level that you know i'm really proud about the the way our organizations have grown on the business side of things and on the hockey side of things and i you know did i want to be an nfl or nhl president of a team yeah probably but there's 28 of those or 32 of those. And half of them are, you know, former players or half of them are, you know, somebody's son. So it's like, where could you go do this? And this level is pretty awesome. And uh, it's one that I'm, I'm very proud of and very passionate about. Excellent. So but before we go, I always try to challenge my guests with one question. I know you're not affiliated with this team, but I'm going to ask Ron this later. So I just wanted your opinion on uh, the Boston Bruins because we're from the New England area. Uh, where I'm Connecticut, he's in uh, Massachusetts, and we're Boston Bruins fans. Do you follow the bees at all? Uh, minimally. All right, do you, Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. Uh, will he retire? I'm no. just gonna. He is not. You you believe no. he'll come back? Yes. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, appreciate I can't. That. Well, I am a, I am from Kansas City, so I am a Chiefs fan, and gotcha. I can't believe you guys let Tom Brady get away. Oh but my God! Great you are, wow, you are gonna. Go. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I, although he, he goes over to Tampa and beats us anyway, so yeah, yeah, goes, yeah. It, I can't stand that guy. Yeah, uh, but I do love Boston, and I'm pulling for the Celtics. Uh, Jason Tatum. So uh, I don't want to get into the weeds on this, but his dad and I um, played some AAU basketball with each other. Oh, wow. We went to okay. SLU in St. Louis, and I'm from yeah. Kansas City, and um, and and so hey, it makes we'll me feel that. old, but. We'll take that. Yeah. At least you like the Celtics, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, and and that 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 slew team with Jason Tatum's dad on the team and Larry Hughes, they were legit. They oh, were yeah. a good basketball Larry team. Hughes was a great player. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's a, he's a good player, and um, I, I'm excited to see him continue to have success. And I think they're going to win the series. So you can put that put that we're one on your list for right, we'll put that on the prediction as well. Yeah. <laughs> Todd, I want to thank you again uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. would love to do it again when you have some yeah. time. Uh, if anything's going on, you know, keep Swats and Folded in mind, and we'll definitely like to, to do this again at some point. Well, thank you guys for the time. Uh, sorry for throwing myself in the car. I hope I wasn't boring. 
but yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Like we just got done with our season. So it's a real interesting time for me. Uh, yeah. The Greenville lost in the first round of the playoffs after, you know, a, biting all the way back. They started seven and 24 and got into the playoffs and we had a tough series against Florida. And then the rush just uh, ended their season in, in, uh, in the semifinals and, and it was a battle too. So it, it just like you go full speed, you're just going a hundred miles an hour and it kind of stops and yeah. you're like, Hey, what do I need to do now? So <laughs> it's uh, you know, got to get ready for yeah, it's kind year, of but... that shock oh. when it's over. It's like, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. Just a gut punch. You're like, Oh yeah. man. All right. On to the next year, right? So I appreciate you guys filling some of that. Uh, get, let me get some of that energy out here. Today. No, anytime, anytime. Todd, once again, Todd Mackin, the president of Spire Hockey. Uh, again, appreciate your time. Take care. Good luck with your, uh, with your teams. And I'm sure we'll hear from you again. Thanks Thank so you, much, Todd. guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. Take care. Bye. All right. So that was Todd Mackin of the – Spyro Hockey, the president of the Spire Hockey. Uh, great interview. I mean, a lot was, you learned that huh? about that whole whole part of the uh, the business there. So that was that fun. Was, that was really fun. That was really fun. Um, so it's uh, NFL time, my friend. We're going to talk a little bit Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, Bradbury, who signed uh, the cornerback, signed with the Eagles. Does this make them a favorite in the NFC East? Well, that and amongst all the other moves that they've made. <laughs> right. So AJ Brown. I mean, I like Jordan team. Davis, the rookie. <laughs> Hassan Reddick, who has 23 and a half sacks in the last two seasons. Yeah. Um, so they get an edge rusher. I'm I'm slowly starting to, to think that listen, what what's their competition in that division? Dallas. Other Dallas. than that, the Giants and the commanders really haven't done enough. No. To to move ahead. So I mean, it really Philadelphia. Look, they were a playoff team. I know they just got in, but even when they played Tampa in the playoffs, they played them tough. Yeah. Could have won that game. Jalen Hurts, if he develops into a quarterback that honestly can carry a team, I, I really feel like this could be the year for the Philadelphia Eagles Look, to yeah, take I, hold of the NFC East. Jalen Hurts um, impressed me last year. First of all, to get there. And then – with all the doubters and naysayers like, oh, they don't belong there or, you know, they don't stand a chance, you know, but they were, they were on, you know, someone else's dime basically. And they know that they, they put a good product on the field in that playoff game, you know? And, and like you said, it could have gone their way. It could have gone their way. And then you take what they had and you add all those players that they've they've built up, you know, during this offseason and the draft and all that. You add those players to the mix, and I'll, I'll tell you, that team could be scary. If Jalen Hurts at least plays how he played last season, they got a shot at taking that division. Yeah, look, so Dallas is kind of in a in a flux right now. We don't know what's going to happen with them. Ezekiel Elliott, we really expect to have a really good year last year. Didn't bounce back. Dak Prescott, you lose Amari Cooper. Again, how does that affect the offense? Defensively, as good as they were last year, do we really expect them to be as good this year? Again, Diggs had a very good year for them. But I could say he overachieved. So if they take a step back, 
Philadelphia, again, Jalen Hurts takes a, a step forward. There's a really good shot that the Philadelphia Eagles, we're talking about them as a contender in the NFC, at least making some noise in the NFC East because I really don't feel like the Giants, as, as much as I think they'll be better, they can't get much worse. They'll be better. We'll see. And the Commanders, I, I just don't feel like did enough, either, either one of them, to leapfrog the Eagles. No. Not, no. It should be a fun – NFC East, we thought when we did our, our um, NFL preview show last year, <coughs> excuse me, that this was going to be a very tough division to figure out. And now it's like those top two teams are going to be very tough to, to decide who we're going to pick uh, when we do that show, So which will be coming up soon, September. Can't wait. Can't wait. Comes fast. Can't wait. So let's bring up the big fella on the screen here, and that is one Vince Wilfalk, who has been elected to the Patriots Hall of Fame. So I just wanted to get your opinion and thoughts on his career with the New England Patriots, what he meant to the organization and to you. Well, I mean, you know, he's one of those faces on that defense that made the Patriots. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, But he was one of those guys that you just trusted, you know, like, you know, there's guys in this league that, you know, have to do so much to get noticed, you know, but then there's guys that go, go through, you know, his daily, you know, his weekly, I should say, cause it's weekly games his his weekly routine through a game. And all he does is make the team better. And that is a hall of famer. Like when you look at a player and you want somebody that's a hall of fame caliber player, and then a hall of fame caliber person, you got Vince Wilfork. I mean, he does it all. He did it all for the Patriots. Did it all. Like he made that line steady, always, always putting pressure on, the opposing team, no matter who was there. I mean, he just knew how to play. And then, of course, you know, the 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 demeanor of of how he plays um, just is all his his aura in the team atmosphere, um, the way he gets other players to play. I mean, that that says a lot about a guy. You know, and then you take the off court, off the field, um, off court, off the field <laughs> stuff basketball to, go, to go along with that. I mean, like, like when have you heard anything negative about a Vince Wilfork? No, it was actually his son. Never. His son stole his stuff. Yeah, <laughs> right. It wasn't even yeah. Vince. Yeah, but but I I looked at it a, a couple of different ways. Uh, played in 158 games. He started 148 of those games. Yeah. So you thought about consistency. Bill Belichick gets criticized a lot for his drafts. 2004 first round draft pick. If you think about how he performed, 517 tackles in his career com- uh, combination, 16 sacks for a nose tackle who wasn't yeah. known as a pass rusher, three interceptions, Ron. Yeah. If you think about interceptions for the big for guy, I remember tackle, a couple right? of those. Remember that tip one where he, and he's running down <laughs> yeah. the field? Yeah. Five Pro Bowls, one All Pro. Two-time Super Bowl champion. Yeah. Question is, will he get into the NFL Hall of Fame? He, he deserves to be. 
It deserves to be. Right. You know, I mean, when you think of nose tackles, I mean, he's got to be top, top three in my book. Top three in my book. Just you know, consistent. And you think about, I I mean, he he might be the best first round pick Patriots have, you know, had under. Uh, I was going to say he's he's two, because there was some guy in two thousand and one. I don't know a sixth round draft pick number one ninety nine that Todd might have mentioned. No, 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 no. I meant first round pick. Oh, first round. Yes. Okay. Yes. First round pick. I gotcha. I gotcha. So we'll have to see if he gets in the NFL. But, you know, very good job getting into the Patriots Hall of Fame. Uh, Love big uh, Vince. And then the big Y commercials. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if you ever got to see the big Y commercials, but he was great in those commercials when he's with New England. It's a Connecticut thing. But yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it was big. Why? I don't even know what the big Y is. It's a supermarket. <laughs> oh, and so they have like big pizzas and everything. You know, Vince would carry to be like, that's not enough for me. You oh, know? so it makes sense that he was in those. Yeah, exactly. It was. It was so. Because it was it's so big good. Vince. Uh, so let's go on to our triple play, my friend, and we are going to decide of the current point leaders in the NBA playoffs. So all these guys are still in again. Luka Dantich, Jimmy Butler, and Jason Tatum, who we're going to start, who we're going to bench, and who we're going to cut. I'm going first uh, this week. So I am going to start Luka Dantich. And what I did is I looked at the playoffs overall, their playoff career numbers, 32.1 points per game, 9.3 rebounds, 8.1 assists for Luka Dantich. That's his career playoff average. Shoots 48 percent from the field and 36 percent from three-point range i mean i can't go wrong he's going to produce all these numbers and he shoots the ball very well i'm benching jason tatum who's averaged 22.9 points per game if you think about what he's doing now he's obviously well eclipsing that 6.6 rebounds four assists shoots 44 percent 36 from three-point range it's a three-point range league now. So you think about what everybody does is they drive the lane kick out. So both of these guys, 36%, which means I cut Jimmy Butler. 19.8 points per game in his career in the playoffs, 6.1 rebounds, 4.4 assists. Shoots 45% from the field, but 34% from three-point range. I want a guy that's going to be able to hit three-point shots because that's the offense now in the NBA. As good as Jimmy Butler is, I still think these two, and especially Luca, I think is far and above better than both of them. I absolutely agree with your your list. And I'll tell you why. First, Luca, look, there is dynamic players in this league, and then there's dynamic players in this league. Luca he can he's obviously a guy that you can just strap the whole team onto his back <laughs> you know do a jenga style <laughs> setup there with all of them on his shoulders and he will still make all those buckets still make them still like and smile while he's doing it yeah, as well <laughs> that that's a fact you know it's almost like it's almost like he's surprised that he's good. He surprises himself. And, you know, I mean, for them to be where they are right now, 
is amazing. It is absolutely amazing because, I mean, let's face it, like nobody gave Dallas a chance, you know, to win a series. No. no. You know, especially when Luka was out the first few games of that Utah series. Yeah. You know. And then, and then what they did to Phoenix. <laughs> that uh, that goes without saying. I mean, like, you, you, you took Chris Paul and you just casted him aside like he was nothing. I mean, that's basically what they did to Phoenix. And Luka is a big part of that. And, you know, I cannot doubt. And I've been a big fan of Luka, as you know. And, you know, even the last time we did this, I didn't have Luka. Yes. Yeah. I, I actually cut him. But there's no way I ever cut him again. No way. <laughs> yeah. And I think ours was more based on the fact that he hadn't gotten out of the first round. Right. And now he's, right. in, a, now he's in a conference final. So, yes. Yeah. We, yes. we sometimes have to take our words back. Yes. Yes. And I will be the first one to eat those words. <laughs> um, but with that being said, it's a tough decision on cutting one of these next two players. But I do bench Jason Tatum because. You know, at some point, Jason Tatum is capable of 40, 50 points in a game. I don't feel Butler is that guy. Now, I'm not saying he can't. I'm I'm not saying he can't, but, you know, it's like when you need need that game, you get that game from Jason Tatum. You get it. And we we will sit back and forth while we're watching the game, and we're criticizing Jason Tatum. But if you think about oh, what yeah. he's averaging, right? He's almost averaging thirty points a game in the in the playoffs yeah. this year. He's been consistent. Yeah, it's it's again. I think some of his problems is more about complaining and and not right. you know staying in the game, stay yeah. in the flow of the game regardless. Don't worry yeah. about what's going on, uh, you know, with all those little things. Jimmy Butler to me is a very good player. He really is. Yes, and I think if he, he was on Philadelphia and not James Harden, as they had discussed back in the day, I think Philadelphia probably goes further, especially the way Embiid was playing. If Philadelphia had Butler, yeah, that right. would have changed a so, lot of things. So again, I, I don't think he's a bad player. And I, I, I'm just cutting him in the aspect of you think about these three players, advantage yeah. to your point, leaps and bounds ahead of the other two. Jason yeah. Tatum is slowly making his way to be in that top five, 10 in the NBA. Yeah. So again, you, and then Jimmy Butler's on the back end of it. If you think about it, he's not as young and he's probably got another four or five years to be a solid player. Yeah. So yeah, let's get, he's going to make a good complimentary piece for a championship yeah. team somewhere Absolutely. down the road. Absolutely. So let's continue on the NBA and we're going to talk about uh, the game two. That will be tonight in the Western Conference Finals, and that is the Dallas Mavericks versus the Golden State Warriors. How do you see this series going? Uh, obviously, Game One didn't go very well for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they controlled Luca, the Golden State Warriors, and their defense. All their key guys contributed: Clay, Steph, um, Poole, Wiggins, Draymond. If you think about what. Dallas needs to do to beat the Golden State Warriors. Is Luka going to be able to do it? Uh, look, Luka is going to get his share of everything. He's going to get his share. The problem is, is going to be the same thing as what happened with Milwaukee. Somebody else has to step up. Yeah. And I think Golden State is too good defensively 
to let that happen. They know Luca is a dynamic player. They know that. So let's, let's contain that. Yes, he may get 40, like, you know, like Giannis can get 40, and it doesn't matter. You know, as long as you stop the other players from getting clean looks, they're going to control, you know, the series. And unfortunately, this could be this could be a quick series for for Dallas. And, you know, but like you said, you named off all those players that are contributing for Golden State. That's a lot of players. That's a that's a solid team that can put numbers up there you know if somebody doesn't do it if clay's not on then there's four or five other guys that can do it and that's the problem yeah. with with yeah. this series for dallas yeah golden state's much deeper um can throw a lot more at dallas but i also look, look jason kidd's done a very good job with the dallas Mavericks. absolutely but i still think the advantage goes to steve kerr who's been here understands how to control a series yeah. has the horses to do it so even from a coaching standpoint, I think he's at a disadvantage, kid, because right. again, all he can do is say, Luca, do as much as you possibly can, and hopefully we can pull one out. Yeah. Whereas Kirk can say, Look, I got this guy hot tonight. It might be Curry. It might be Clay the next night. It could be Poole. It could be Draymond. Yeah, there's too Wigan. many weapons. Yeah. So it, it's going to be very difficult. If Dallas gets out of this, it'd be one of the biggest upsets. Yeah, it would be. And we've done the biggest upsets in one of our pick and rolls before. This would rank up there because I really don't think anybody's given them a chance. No. No. And it would rank up there pretty high. You know, maybe not in that top five category, but it would rank up there pretty high, yeah. especially yeah. in the NBA. Yeah. So let's bring up the picture of the NBA draft lottery, which took place in the Orlando Magic, have received the number one overall draft pick in next year's draft. And I'm going to ask you this question, Ron. Does the draft really help NBA teams? Yes. Absolutely not. No, but what I mean is <laughs> no, no it, it does. It helps another team five years down the road. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I looked at it this way. I said I was going to do a little research. And I said I'm going to look at this year's draft and last year's draft. And I'm going to give you this year's top five. Orlando Magic, Oklahoma City Thunder, the Houston Rockets, the Sacramento Kings, and the Detroit Pistons. Those were this year's team. All right? Yep. Last year, Detroit had the number one pick. Yep. See if you find a theme here. Houston oh, yeah. had the number two pick. Yep. Cleveland and Toronto both made the playoffs, but I think it was more about everybody contributing if you think about what they were able to do yep. in Toronto. Orlando was had five and eight, so they had the fifth and the eighth pick and now have the number one pick. OKC had the sixth pick, and Sacramento had the ninth pick, so they actually did worse. Yeah. So to me, this draft, I you're not going to build a team unless you get veterans that can contribute right away because I think the NBA, it's just too different of a, a, a disparity between the veterans and the rookies coming in. See the problem with the problem with the NBA is you have reversed collusion where the players are dictating where they're going and when their contract is up everybody knows their contract is up and said hey you know what 
don't resign, come here, play with us. Very, very big in the NBA. And that happens all the time. So by the time, you know, said rookie gets drafted, five years from now, they're going to go somewhere else. And they're going to make it a, make an impact on that team. And then, you know, a couple of years later, that player is going to do wonders for whoever they're, they're playing for. You know, so it, it, it doesn't help the team now. And it seems like, you know, it it's repetitive. Like, how many times are we going to see Orlando in the, right, in the, draft. In the top five? You know, <laughs> like how many times? I, just, I, I don't get it. Like, you know, you know damn well that whoever they draft isn't going to be there five years from now. They're going to get traded to get the top pick. <laughs> And I think you got to look at look at what Boston did. If you're smart enough, hang on to these guys, Tatum, Brown, let them develop, get enough quality veterans around them. Because no matter how many things we've looked at with Boston, every year they had Isaiah Thomas, Gordon Haywood, Kyrie Irving. They always try to get that one key veteran guy to go along with these young kids to try to drag them. Al Horford, teach them the game, teach them how to be professionals. Not throw them on a team with all other rookies or guys that have only played for one year in the league now and expect that these kids to come in and make a difference. Yeah. It just doesn't work. It doesn't you know, work in the NBA. They, they tried with Kyrie. They tried with um, uh, what's his face that went to New York Knicks. Um, can't even think of his name. Uh, Fournier? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, they tried with him too. But... Oh, Kemba Walker? <laughs> yeah, Kemba Walker. You know, so it's like they tried everything to, to bring a guy in. To, to to mix them young kids, yeah, and it didn't work. It, it obviously didn't work didn't as work. far as a championship, but they were winners, right? At least they were winning. And I, to me, like you said, you're going to go Orlando, and now everybody they they got two rookies last year. You're going to yep. get a third rookie this year. Those other guys haven't even played a full technically season yeah. in the NBA, and now they're trying to teach this kid who's coming in, and it just doesn't work. You need a veteran guy that's going to teach these yeah. kids how to play, but. You're looking at teams that really don't know how to build a team. They really don't know how to build a team. And, you know, I mean, you can you can say maybe Houston could, you know, they've had some good teams in the past. Um, I don't know how long um, their GM has been with the team, so I can't really but say. That was Maury that, who's now in Philadelphia. Right. So, so, again, yeah, you're looking at a whole. You know, he didn't put Elijah Wan and, and that cast together. <laughs> so, you know, we're looking at um, maybe he, you know, dismantled the last group that when you have like a Westbrook and a, um, um, what's his face, uh, Harden, um, with two big losers like that, you're just going to get double losers. You know, that's that's basically what you're going to get. I always appreciate your honesty, my friend. No, I, I have no I, I don't care who I insult. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, I had James Harden booked for next week. You just you just. Yeah, well, that's OK. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure I mean, if he, look, look, he, he, he's he's a scrub. I'm sorry. He's a scrub. You know, I don't care what he's put up in numbers. He's never done anything with them. You know, and when you had Westbrook and Harden, 
who wants the ball? Well, they're fighting over it in the corner, you know, before it's even inbounded. <laughs> you know, that's what you're going to get. And that's not a team that you can put together. Like, who would want that? Who would want that? And that just goes to show that he has no clue how to put a team together because it's just floundering like like a, a fish out of water. It's just – it's awful. And that's all these teams right now. It's all of them. So we're going to – we're going to continue on this NBA theme, and we're going to talk about something else that was awful. And that was a former Celtic, oh, former Laker, former Cleveland Cavalier, former – he's been around the block now. Rajon Rondo is in some legal trouble after uh, an altercation with his children's mother, the mother of his children. Let me rephrase that. Uh, where he possibly brandished a gun at some point, uh, held it to the kids, screamed at them of why they are scared of him. Have we seen the last of Rajon Rondo in the NBA? Probably. Probably. I, I don't think his his talent now is, is even going to make a team want to explore that idea. So I think this is a great opportunity for the NBA to start to look at how they handle players and, and maybe their uh, you know demeanor, when even when they're playing consistently. Because he's been a problem in Boston. And I can remember those, there were stories of, you know, him punching, you know, uh, vending machines or, you know, going at other players and refusing to pass the Ray Allen. And just he became a problem in Boston is why they got rid of him. Yeah. So from a mental health standpoint, maybe they should start to look at some of these guys and say, look, we got to get them in some programs that might get them some help. Because this yeah. could have ended a lot worse. I, I, from oh, the standpoint, at least he he – Walked away at some point and decided not to do something that could have honestly been far worse. But you, you still got to look at it as a sad story because he was a talent, but somehow there was always something and a reason why a team was willing to get rid of him. Yeah, and he was a good playoff talent. Yeah. You know, Boston like, would not have won those championships without him. He was no. a big piece of that championship. Yeah. But he at the was. same time, they, they could only take so much before they said, look, Absolutely. we need to ship him off. Yep. We need to ship them off. So once again, if you enjoy what you're watching, check us out every Friday night at 6 p.m. We are live. We are fan interactive. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter live. We do live interviews. We had a great interview with Todd uh, Mackin tonight. Uh, follow us on social media at Sports Unfolded on Facebook and Twitter, at Broadcasting RI on Twitter, Sports underscore Unfolded on Instagram. Don't have time to watch. Listen to us on our podcast on Amazon, Anchor, Google, Spotify, Tune in in Red Circle. Red Circle. Red Circle as well. So a lot of ways to watch and listen. If you're in Southeast Connecticut, SEC TV, Public Access Channel 12. We are on Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. It's a rebroadcast of our show on Friday. If you enjoy and you're watching it now, check us out on Fridays. Join in. We'd love to get it. If you'd like to sponsor the show, email us at ribroadcasting.media at gmail.com. Become a sponsor. Thousands of eyes on your business weekly, daily. You will grow your business as well as help us grow ours. So continue to support Sports Unfolded. We'd love to be able to do more and more each and every week. We're going to talk some baseball, my friend. And a story that's really going to get me heated. Because we just had a conversation about suspensions in Major League Baseball. And now I, I, I just don't believe Matt Harvey has been suspended 60 games for admitting to distributing the oxy 
to the late Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs. Is the punishment just? No. <laughs> no. So Trevor Bauer gets 320 games, 24 games. A man who killed another man, basically yeah. distributing, gets 60. He's a drug dealer. <laughs> like, 60. really? 60 games for being a drug dealer? What is, what the is wrong? In Major League Baseball. And, and I know Matt Harvey's not even – he's in the minors right now with the Orioles. So it's, he's not even on a major league team or the big leagues. But how do they, how do they justify that? Eric Kay, who was the one who basically gave the pills to Matt Harvey, was facing 20 years in prison. Yeah. The guy that actually gave it to him, though, Tyler Skaggs, gets nothing. 60, 60, 60 days day suspension. Two months. He gets a 60-day vacation. It's ridiculous. And I just don't understand how Major League Baseball continues to feel like this is just Like, he should be gone. He should be gone. He killed a man. I know. I know. I just don't it's, understand. That. It makes no sense, I, I just, Eric. It's like, it, it is mind-boggling. Like, we talk about Major League Baseball and the NFL and how they, they – get it wrong every single time and when does it end when does it end obviously not now because no. it's so ridiculous no one of the doesn't. dumbest things i heard 60 i said forget like, it i'm done as an organization how can baltimore even keep him yeah i, I just i don't like he would have been gone do you realize gone. too though i didn't realize it's been two years yeah that's it's insane it's, like it's, when you put things in perspective Think about what would it be like if the Patriots didn't even release Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, we just that with six game suspension. You, you know, <laughs> it's like really. He'll be back. He'll be back. He's gonna have a good workout plan while he's in prison, but he'll be back. <laughs> I just don't understand it. So we're gonna bring up a picture of this unfortunate situation. So the Mets pitching staff is going through a rash of injuries right now. Do you think they can withstand it? So that's Max Scherzer, who now will be out six to eight weeks with an oblique strain. Obviously, Jacob DeGrom already out, possibly not back till June, July at, at, at the earliest. They did pick up Chris Bissett, who's been carrying this team four and two with a two, three, four ERA and 46 Ks. Can they withstand another injury to a pitcher? So you're looking at they're basically down to their third starter. No, you can't. You can't. Look, I mean, yeah, you can withstand it, but you're not going to be at the top of the heap. It's not going to work like that. I mean, when you're down your two starters that you were banking on bringing you, you know, to the pennant. Like, so, you don't have that right now. Here's the only thing I got, they got in their favor. They're second in Major League Baseball and batting average, so 251. So they're hitting the ball very well. They're fourth in ERA, and you think about no DeGrom, so obviously Scherz is a, a, a good part of that as well, but yeah. they're pitching very well. They're second in shutout, so they're not giving up runs. But you're also losing the league leader in wins right now with Scherzer. He's got five wins on the season in 59 Ks, which is fourth in the league. So he was having a, a superb year. Yes, Cy Young, but when you like, look at it, Eric, you know, it, it's just the same in any sport. You know, when you have your healthy team, 
everybody is slotted correctly. So your ace, your second starter, you know, those are the guys that are carrying you, okay? Third guy, he's he's going to get his numbers, you know, because he's, he's a good pitcher. But now he's going to have to play against the best pitchers, you know, instead of, you know, DeGrom or yeah. Scherzer. So, you know, when he's giving up two runs, you're going to be facing pitchers that are going to give up one. You don't win those games. Yeah. So you start losing them. Look, the Mets, the Mets have been very um, good this season. Right. And, and again, how long they can carry it. They've been in our spots unfolded major league baseball rankings. Now Uh, been in the top three. I think they dropped a fourth this week, but again, you could start to see them really fall out of this quick and not be able to get back. Right. That would be the key. You're talking about months now of just inactivity. I know baseball is a long season, but if you lose a good amount of games in this two month stretch, yeah, you, you know it could cost. If you don't have your top two years. pitches for two months, it's yeah. over. It's yeah, over. It's pretty much over. So we are going to do our face off, my friend, and I am so excited about this one because I am so hot about this as well. Major League Baseball has pissed me off this week. I'm telling you right now, they just pissed me off. Look, Major League Baseball has pissed me off far too many times. <laughs> so our face off this week is. Should Major League Baseball have the same dimensions in each park? So the home runs, the parks, I mean, you could have a different design of the park, but the distance should be the same throughout. Your right field, your center field, your left field, all the same distance. We're going to argue this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now that I am for this. I am 100% for this because I'm watching the Yankee game the other day, and they put up the stat that it would have been out in 29 of 30 parks. What? are we doing in major league baseball that you can't even there's guys that hit 50 home runs because they were playing on a short porch in the right Boston's a prime example of that, right? The pesky pole. Uh, Yankee stadium is worse. Yankee stadium, even worse. Right. But then I, I started thinking like this. So what, why, what stops an NFL team from saying, you know what, we're only going to have 90 yards. Cause it gives us a better <laughs> shot. at scoring now, <laughs> Right. Like, how's it different? Hockey, you know what I mean? Hockey, we're gonna we're gonna make it longer so the guys get tired trying to go down the ice, right? And, and like, what are they doing? Why is it all? Why is every park different? Okay, so my thought is, look, you design your park the way you want your park. Okay, yes, I get it. More home runs for Yankee Stadium. I know that short porch, you know, in right field, you know, is got is is a killer. Okay. So they design their team to play in their park as mm -hmm. does Fenway park. You know, you want those lefties to bang off the, the wall and get those doubles and doubles and doubles and doubles, you know, and, and every park is like that. Now I think it, it's, it's great for, you know, the different fields and, you know, different dimensions there are there is one field that drives me absolutely bonkers, and that is in Tampa Bay. That dome it sucks. It sucks. It just hit the roof the other day. You know the catwalk. It's an out, like, but it's not an out on certain right, things. It's and like I, you don't know what the hell is going on. It's like the ball bounces and it goes across the field. It's like what the heck just happened? So you know, I'm going to tell you why. What else makes this wrong? 
and why it should all be the same. Because teams end up picking up these guys because of their numbers. And they get inflated numbers. And we did this with Trevor Story. And we talked about it in Boston. He finally came through. He hits the three home runs the other day. Oh. Right? But right in Colorado, the ball travels farther because of it, you know, yeah. you know. So again, it's the same thing. If you got a guy that's playing for you know in New York with the short porch, he's gonna hit more home runs. And then he goes to a park that doesn't have a short porch. Guess what? His numbers fly out. <laughs> but now you just paid this guy 20 million because right. of the numbers he got from a park that he's not even gonna play in. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense. Like make it fair across the board. So it would help with free agency as well. This is what this is what I think should happen. I mean, you can't do anything about the Colorado air. There's nothing you can do about it. But anytime a new park is made, make it a dome. But go ahead. Anytime a new park is made, it has to have dimensions. All the other parks that are still out there can be grandfathered in, and you know until they build a new one. Until they Instead of 90 it. feet, I want 75 feet, my pitching mound, because I want my pitcher um, to get the, the plate faster. You know, you say that in jest, but they are talking about bringing that mound forward. Yeah, see, but this one, it's ridiculous. Uh, but what, certain parks, but not every park? Like, every park would get it. No, they, they want to kind of, like, flatten that, um, yeah, the diamond. Stupid. So this they want, the, they want the distance between first and second to be less than what it is now. Oh, good. Can't so wait. that way we'd promote stolen bases. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. I'm still waiting for the bigger bags too. <laughs> yes, that is another thing that they're talking about too. So let's let's talk about a, a sport that's obviously better than baseball, and that's NHL and that curling? NHL playoffs. Curling. <laughs> curling. Curling is probably going to surpass Major League Baseball at some point. You know why? Because everything, every time you play curling, it's all the same every time. There is no difference. Oh, I love it. NHL round twos have begun. Oh, NHL. And uh, we have seen some interesting things already happen, some of these series. Uh, let's start off with the Carolina Hurricanes and New York Rangers. Carolina leads the series 1-0. Uh, I believe they play tonight. Yeah. Carolina won in overtime. And yeah. I went right back to that triple overtime, the first series for the Rangers and going – how can they have to keep doing this each time? I feel bad for them because it's like you're going to have a heartbreaking loss in game one, and now you got to struggle your way back to get into this. Can the range? Can the the New York Rangers get out of this? Carolina is different than Pittsburgh. That's all I can tell you. Um, I know firsthand what Carolina can do as a Bruins fan. Yes, you know that was and, painful. And and you got to say this: look, the youth in New York again, very young team. So, again, they've probably overachieved as it is. Sometimes these losses can end up affecting them as well because, you know, that you're, you're grinding. You're putting your heart and soul into this. Yeah. And you're losing these tough games in overtime. And to you, it's an uphill battle. At some point, you realize the team in front of you is even better than the last team you just played and understands how to play, you know, more fundamental hockey. Yeah. You know, so, it's like face-offs, you know, all these little things that Carolina does so well. And it's it's and the way they can just turn on the light switch and just overwhelm you like they did in the third period in the in game 1 and they just kept coming and coming and coming and it was relentless. The Rangers couldn't do anything. And they were fortunate that Shesterkin only gave a one goal. Yeah. You yeah. know, and 
Carolina is too good. You can't you can't let up. You can't have a lapse in judgment at all because look, the Bruins didn't make many mistakes. And, they, they did and it, it costed them every single time, you know, and I could see, you know, when, when I was watching that third period and I'm like, they're going to score, they're going to score and they're going to tie the game up. It's going to go to overtime and then somebody's going to score again and the Rangers are going to lose. And that's exactly what happened. And no I just kept, New York. No I don't, I don't think so. I don't, you know, the, the one bright spot, is just Sturkin. I like we know goaltenders can steal series. We've seen it, you know, last year Kerry Price. You know, but you need to we, get you need to get a couple goals. You can't you, you can't yeah, hope you, that he's going to hold them to one goal each. They're too good of a scoring and team. Again, the Rangers had opportunities in that first and second period to, to score more yeah. to build on that lead, and just like Boston, they couldn't do it. And so that says a lot about a team. That's resilient. I, I, I need, I wish I, I should probably, if I, next time I screenshot, I'm putting it up on the screen that you told me the Tampa Bay Lightning are done. Oh my God. And now they're up 2 0. I cannot. Against the I, President's I Trophy winner, the Florida Panthers. And I know Todd, you know, still thinks the Florida. But the game last night, in what, four seconds left? Hmm. In Tampa Bay. Listen, you cannot discredit a team that's won back-to-back Stanley Cup finals no, that can. they don't know how to win in the playoffs. They are just grinding through this. Huh. It may not look pretty. It's not going to it's not going to be a, a dominant, you know, like we're going to talk about with Calgary and Edmonton and Calgary putting up nine goals. Like you're not going to get that from Tampa, but you're going to they're going to stay in every game. Yeah. And if they got a shot in the third period, they yep. know how to win those games. They do. And they're proving it. Again, Victor Hedman uh, Vasilevsky, <laughs> right? So I, I just don't. That's all you need. Look, how do you beat a team that knows how to do it? And and again, getting down 0-2, and I'm not saying Florida can't come back, but an 0-2 hole is is big right now yeah. because you're also talking about a team that has just won back-to-back Stanley Cup. So you're not going against a team that you go, okay, we let a couple slip. They know how to win. Yeah. So they're not going to give you some of those opportunities that a team who hasn't been there before would. Yeah, and this I, team, I am worried about the Florida Panthers getting out of this series. Yeah. It, oh, it looks it looks pretty grim right now. Um, like when you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you see how they they barely hung on to that three spot, you know, and that was probably key to them. You know, the fact that. The Bruins sat everybody in that last game, which is mind-boggling, you know, because I, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking. To be honest with you, I would have, I would have much rather have played Toronto with their history, and obviously it was the correct decision to play Toronto because <laughs> Carolina looked like the team yeah. dominated all season long, and Toronto didn't know what to do with all their talent when it came down to crunch time. So let me and ask they you open this. the door for Tampa Bay. You open the does, door. Does, does Florida, does Florida get, make this a series? I hope so. Cause they picked them to win the Stanley cup. Okay. So Calgary flames, Edmonton Oilers. 
it was a football score. There, there was three field goals for one, two for the other. You don't see a lot of nine sixes in the in the playoffs. No. We've no. talked about Edmonton and possibly the struggles they were going to have defensively. We thought in the first round they were able to come, you know, get past that. But Calgary, obviously, a much better team. Matthew Kachuk, a hat trick, first one in the playoffs. 48 to 28 in shots on goal. Yeah. Can Edmonton do enough to slow the Calgary Flames down. We we've talked about their offense and how good Calgary is. I mean, they got to be able to slow them down a little bit, but so you don't think seven that versus nine. yeah. So <laughs> you don't think that Calgary is going to slow them down? You know, I mean, I, I have I have more faith in Calgary saying, "Hey, we need to button this up." You know, we need to play better defense and we need better goaltending. You know, from here on out because. If we give up six goals to Edmonton every game, we're going to lose the series. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, as, agree. As, and look, Edmonton so, has enough players to. But score. I feel confident Dry, that Calgary can Dry do that. And, and, and you know McDavid, so they've got players that can get score some points. Yeah. But Calgary, again, you're talking about a team, and we've talked about Kachuk in the past, and you know what? He's just quiet player that does a lot. Very good for Calgary. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's going to be interesting. Either. He's player. Here's a series that I, I, I listen. You told me, right? The Blues and their experience. And now they're playing the Avalanche and it's tied 1 1. Colorado has lost their first game in the playoffs now. And we know how they stumbled in the past, Ron. Will this start to affect them mentally? Again, they were coasting. They won five straight. Everything looked great. Now you lose a game. St. Louis did what they they wanted to needed to do. They needed so, to take one in Colorado. As, as much as we thought Colorado would dominate, right? Yeah. Is this a sign of possibly them starting that that you know chip away at, at at the Colorado, you know, strengths? And now you may see them struggle. If anyone can do it, it is St. Louis. Uh, that team has won a championship. You know, just a couple of years ago. Uh, three to be exact, you know, right before Tampa Bay took over. Yeah. So, you know, they have the pedigree to be able to do it. They have the, the skill set to be able to do it. You know, you have like Tory crew joining that team and giving them that dynamic offensive force, you know, at the point, you know, to run power plays and stuff like that. So, you know, St. Louis isn't giving up anything on the power play, you know, to Colorado because St. Louis is just as good on the power play, yeah. you know, and the size of, of St. Louis can really wreak havoc, you know, on Colorado. So, you know, they have some big players that, you know, eat up a lot of minutes and, you know, and if you keep pounding the defense of Colorado, you can you can really do damage, and they might not be able to bring it out. You know, you're going to wear them down. You know, so St. Louis being a heavy team, but still fast enough to keep up with Colorado. So they, they, this is a, like this is really a nightmare team for for Colorado to play at this point. You know, because of what they can do yeah. to a team like Colorado. Yeah. So again, you're my hockey guy. 
I'm more the football guy, but I would take the comparison, the Green Bay Packers, who looked so good in the regular season, yeah. got into a tough, again, NFL's a little different because it's a one-game thing, but get into a tough game, and then all those things start to creep in, and you don't play as well, and you, you, you get yeah. a little tighter, and now things that wouldn't normally slip by you are. And I feel like this could be that opportunity for St. Louis because Colorado, you know, back at the back of their mind, they're saying, hey, this shouldn't be this difficult. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you look at some of these matchups that we've seen already. You know, you, you're looking at Colorado now struggling against St. Louis. Okay, well, look, the Rangers struggled against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had a lot of talent, you know, and their game, you know, fit pretty well against the Rangers, you know. And look, you look at the Bruins on paper that the Bruins team was better you know, player for player, you know, but when you see what Jordan Stahl did to mm -hmm. the Bergeron line in Carolina, because you couldn't avoid him, you know, so that, that is how you, you do the matchups. And because St. Louis won in, in Colorado, now they have the matchup advantage. Yep. You know, and they can put the players against who they want to put them against and have home ice. This game, this this series could go seven games. And if it does, uh, you got to worry for Colorado. Yes. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a mental thing at that point. So we're going to bring up this picture. And it's a, one of my favorite. I know you're going to love this picture, Ron. Yeah, this sure. is going to be one of your favorite pictures. Look at those oh. faces. <laughs> Look is at that. The <laughs> So I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you some quick, quick hitting questions, and then you can elaborate more if you want to afterwards. Okay. But we're going to talk about the state of the Bruins going into next season. And my first question would be, and I already asked Todd, and I think you already gave me the answer, but does Patrice Bergeron retire? No. Okay. Should the Bruins look to move a player like Hall? No. Would you fire Bruce Cassidy? Yes. Should the Bruins look to make a move as to bring back Krejci? No. Okay. So based on those four questions, Ron, state of the Bruins, what do they need to do to, to be a contender next season? Because obviously their season's over now, judging by those faces. <laughs> okay. So the first thing is um, – you got to get a player's coach for this team because there is no point on being, for a lack of better words, a hard ass to, to your rookies and young players when it's really not warranted because most of your players are veterans. When you look up and down that lineup, you had, of course, Bergeron, you know, Marshan, DeBrusque. DeBrusque always on the outs with Cassidy. Hall, Howler, Pasternak, all veterans. Coyle, um, Craig Smith, Frederick. Frederick always on the outs with, with Cassidy. There's a, there's a theme here. Noshik Lazar. Felino, all veterans. 
where are the rookies? Okay, so yes, they had two young players, and they were just basically brutalized by Cassidy all season long, all season long, in and out of the lineup. You, you know, especially when the line is their best line going. You know, for a while, that coil line was one of the best lines since January. You know, maybe not with goals, but the way they played. Okay, but Frederick is always on the outs with Cassidy because of a penalty. Like the guy didn't get that many penalties throughout the whole season. He doesn't deserve to get, you know, shunned for a couple of games. <laughs> you know, it's wearing the scarlet letter. Yeah. No, it's just ridiculous. And then you look at the defense. They've all been they've all been there for like five years. Like, come on, like you. You just treat your rookies like crap. Like Studnika should have been playing a lot this year. But no, you're playing Noshik, who had three goals, hasn't scored since January. I mean, come on. Like you you gotta give the young players time and 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 you know, playing time. You can't develop if they're not No, you can't. So look, like they need to get rid of Felino. He's he's pointless, literally pointless. <laughs> no shit, pointless. I'd keep Lazar on that fourth line, have him center or ride the wing with Studnicker playing the fourth line and give, you know, Bleed or Steen a shot on that, that line. Okay? you got to get rid of Halla. Like, I don't care what his numbers were. The center should make your wingers better, not the other way around. I'm sorry. He rode on the coattail of Hall and Pasternak. Like, literally only have to stand in front of the net. You're going to get goals because Pasternak is always going to be shooting. And you're going to get rebounds. And that's how Howlig picked up most of his goals at the end of the season. But they needed somebody as a playmaker. And... You don't want Krejci now because he's up there in years. He's not coming back to to Boston. Let's let's face the facts. If he did, he would have been back this season, and that's not happening. So, you know, so you got to get a younger center. Gee, maybe try to develop Studnika. Oh, there's a there's a a a, a wild you know crazy idea. Thought. Crazy. Thought. You know, he's got all kinds of talent. The guy is talented. He's got skill. He's got a nice shot. You gotta give him a shot, you know. Why not put him with Pasternak and Hall? You know, I mean, he couldn't do. He can't do much worse than what Howler did in those playoffs. He was terrible. You know, like that line was awful in the playoffs. They gave up a lot of goals. So and, me- and look, and I'm not happy with the way Hall played, but I think there's still value there. So let me ask you this: Do they make some moves? Oh, absolutely. Do they, do they fire Cassidy? I think they I think I they need like to. to okay. I think they need to. And look, Cam Neely said they need to make some changes. Well, he's not gonna fire Don Sweeney. He's not doing that. Because you can't blame Don Sweeney for this, because he gave them the horses. He gave them the horses and they were veterans. So, you know, and he gave you some talented young players to to mix and sprinkle into that lineup you know, on a daily basis, and you didn't take advantage of that, you know? And look, 
You need a player's coach. You don't need a guy that's going to be, you know, on top of the players constantly. Not with this group. You got Bergeron. You got Marshan, Pasta. They don't need a a, a, a whip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they know how to play the game. They've, they've yes. been there and, and, and can do it. So um, I always readily enjoy asking you a Bruins question because I know it's just going to turn into five minutes of – you ran. I know. I know. So, I can't help it. it I love it. Just it. I aggravates love it. me. I should no. be coach. <laughs> call him up. Call him up. Let's get this. Let's make oh this happen. God. Let's get the you ball can't rolling. Really on made this. me coach. We we bring home that cup. Bring, bring it home. home the cup. So like let's I go on. Like I still can't believe they didn't cover the point men. <laughs> They're taking all the shots. Everything deflected. We're we're gonna Do move it. on to our, our pick and roll. Our pick and roll, my friend. Pick and roll. And if we are on episode number 20, so we are going for famous all-time number 20s in Major League <laughs> Baseball history. And those candidates are Mike Schmidt, Frank Robinson, Lou Brock, Luis Gonzalez, Luis Gonzalez, and Don Sutton. And I am first this week, so I am going to give you the correct list, and then you can just agree with me. We'll see. At, at number five, I went Luis Gonzalez. That is 283, 354 home runs, 2,591 hits, 1,439 RBIs, five-time All-Star, one silver slugger, one-time champ. I don't even want to talk about the championship. Mm. At number four, Lou Brock. Yep. 293, 149 home runs. So you go right. But he was 3,023 hits. So he had, he had a lot of hits. 28th overall in Major League Baseball history. 900 RBI, six-time All-Star, two-time champ, Major League Baseball Player of the Year. Not bad. But then I, Don Sutton at three. 3.26 ERA, 324 wins, 256 losses, 3,574 strikeouts, which is seventh all-time in Major League Baseball. So you think yeah. about this guy. Four-time All-Star, anyone in the ERA title. Yeah, Can't really complain. This is where it got very difficult because it could have went either way with these two guys. But I went Frank Robinson at number two. 294 batting average, 586 home runs, 2,943 hits, 1,812 RBIs. Two-time MVP, 14-time All-Star, won a go glove, Major League Baseball Player of the Year, a batting title, a triple crown, and a two-time champion. So you're like, no way Schmidt is better than him. But the batting average, not so good. 267, 548 home runs, though. 2,234 hits. So you're like, again, Eric, what are you thinking? He was a three-time MVP, 12-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Glove. So not only did he get you hits, he was six-time Silver Slugger, and obviously he had a championship. So by far, he just won too many titles or awards for me not to give it to him at number one. I am correct on it. I told you. Yes, you are. I told you. And, and I'm going to elaborate on why. Um, first, Luis Gonzalez, um, he's really outclassed in this category. But he does deserve to be on the list because yeah. he's better than everybody else. Yeah. And he's had he had decent numbers. No, he did it. have decent yeah. numbers. Um, and, of course, Lou Brock, great numbers. Love the numbers. Um, but deservedly number four. He's miles ahead of Luis Gonzalez, yeah. but not as good as Don Sutton, who Agreed. is number three. Yeah. Um, look, those strikeouts are amazing. We might not ever see those numbers. No. Again. Not in today's baseball, no. They don't even pitch 
more than five, six innings now. So no, and that's why because yeah. like they're striking out at record numbers, but you know now it's like you know five pitches play in the game. So um, <clears throat> number two, I have Frank Robinson as well. Um, look, I, I love those numbers, but he did have a lot more at bats than yeah. than Schmidt. Schmidt. Um, so the numbers, uh, home runs, RBIs, runs, they are a little higher than Mike Schmidt. Um, but what Mike Schmidt brought to the game was everything. Mike Schmidt was probably the best third baseman that probably has ever played. Definitely defensively, right? Ten, you know, gold, ten, gloves? ten gold gloves is just insane. That's pretty impressive. Insane. You know, especially those days, you know, when that was that was what you needed to do at third base. You needed to have power. You needed to have a gold glove back then, you know, so you had to be good. Um, those numbers, though, I mean, three MVPs. I mean, the numbers are 12 All-Stars. 12 All-Stars. Yeah. Like, you know, if he played as long as you know, as Frank Robinson, his numbers would have been. Yeah. yeah. He probably would have been one of the best of all time. He might have actually pushed for, you know, 650, 700 home runs. Yeah. Agreed. 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 Agreed, my friend. So great. Hey, that's, that's like four or it five. It is a great list. Yeah. We've that been, was, we've been right on there. Close, pretty close. So it's prediction time. This and, has not uh, been close. This, 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 I gained a little bit of ground again. Uh, yep. We keep bouncing back and forth. My hockey guy, not doing so well on the hockey picks. But then no. the basketball, which I feel I'm a little better at, you're getting the basketball one. So we're going to, we're going to look at the, so Mickey <clears> on the <throat> list now, four and two last week, 66%. Kenny, 500. This is what happens when you actually make picks, Kenny. See, it goes down pretty quick. Uh, so we're at 54 and 51%, though. But again, as we discussed, we pick the toughest games of the week. Yeah. And we try to decide who's going to win those games. So we've got, again, some uh, really difficult games here. Um, and uh, we'll start off with the Dallas at Golden State. That is tonight, game two. Uh, I am first this week. So I am going with Golden State. They have not lost on their home court. And I believe that continues tonight. I also agree with that. Uh, I think Golden State is just too much for for Dallas. I think Dallas might win one at home. Yeah, and that might Maybe be it. One. Yeah, and probably Game Four, just the you know, gentleman yeah. sweep. So tomorrow night, the Miami Heat at the Boston Celtics, Game Three, series currently tied one-one. I like Boston in this. Uh, you know, I, I don't see it looking any different than what it has this could be this could be over quickly as well with boston with boston winning it so i'm gonna i'm gonna blow your mind right now oh god i am going boston as well i never pick the seeds. oh Jesus. what happens when i do but i'm going celtics again seven out of eight quarters they've won one hiccup i don't think yeah. they have any more hiccups in the rest of this series Let's talk some uh, hockey here. We got the New York Rangers at the Carolina Hurricanes. That's game two tonight. Uh, Carolina obviously up 1-0. I am going with the youth tonight, and they bounce back at home uh, on the road 
and they beat the Carolina Panthers. Just they they know how to win. After Carolina that. who? Carolina Hurricanes. Okay, Hurricane. I'm a football guy. I told you. See, what Look, do you got? I think Carolina takes this game. I think Carolina was scared in game one because they almost lost that game. So they come out harder this game. Look, in, in this team so. didn't didn't lose against the Bruins at home. And I think they come out and they I think they they put up five. All right. So again tonight, Edmonton Oilers at the Calgary Flames game two. Obviously, Calgary took game one convincingly. I believe the same is going to happen. Calgary takes game two. Um, and I don't even think it's gonna be a close game. No, I don't think so either. I, I agree with you, Calgary. I think Calgary can cut those goals back. I don't think Edmonton can. Yeah. So uh, tomorrow night, Cal, uh, Colorado Avalanche at the St. Louis Blues game three. Series currently tied 1-1. Who you got? Oh, I'm going to go Colorado in this one. Ooh, okay, I like it. I'm going Blues. I think they're going to have the mental advantage. <clears throat> and they're going to they're gonna steal this one. I still think Colorado wins this series, but I think Tio point seven. Yeah, I think St. Louis will win Game Four. That's what I'm thinking. So uh, tonight, uh, three game series starts with the San Diego Padres at the San Francisco Giants. Three game series. I have felt really good about San Diego. They've they've played really well. I'm going San Diego in this series. You as well. <laughs> shouldn't be that hard, Ron. Yeah, I know it shouldn't be. <laughs> um, I'm going to go San Francisco, though. Wow. Okay. You're trying to make uh, a move here because if you get some of these right, you. you yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. But if I get them wrong, it's really the bad. Gets bigger. That sweater from Montreal is looking better and better each mm, week. I'm sure it is. So, WNBA action the Washington Mystic at the Atlanta Dream. That is tonight as well. I uh, like the Mystic here. I yeah, I do as well. And then, in it's just a better top, name. Uh, MLS. I don't know if I like these either. So, uh, this is on um, Sunday. The Austin Football Club at the Orlando City Soccer Club. That is Major League Soccer. Uh, both of these teams are uh, one of the top teams in the East and West. What do you got? I'm going to go Austin because it's football and um, not soccer. <laughs> okay. I, I went Orlando. So I went Orlando. They got the number one pick in, in the NBA draft. So I just feel like they ride that wave this week. They, they, they're on the Orlando. Oh, yeah. Lucky oh, yeah, vibes going sense. in Orlando. That's well, Lucky that's, vibes in Orlando. You get the one pick. Look, you got luck. The mm. luck's in Orlando right now. Yeah, sure. All right, how we normally end our show uh, is basically we do our final thought, and our final thought doesn't necessarily have to be about anything sports-related. It could be about anything going on in the world today. I actually have two. Um, first one is I want to commend USA Soccer for finally making the right decision and unifying the pay across the board for females and males. So the female soccer players will make the same amount of money as the male players. If you think about the success of the female soccer team, 
much more successful than the men and were far underpaid. And it's about time that they realize and recognize that it should be equal. Uh, and, you know, honestly, the women probably should get more because of their success. But at least they finally made the right decision to, to e have equal pay. And I hope more organizations and companies decide to start to go this route as well. I hope this starts a trend in the world where they appreciate the fact that women can do things just as well as men can do them and get paid the same for it. And then my uh, second one, unfortunately, uh, has to go out to the families who are affected by the shooting in Buffalo. Another tragic shooting that uh, should have never happened. Um, we have the benefits as um, fortunate in this country to live stream and be able to do some things that uh, allow us to have some freedoms to, to speak our mind and say some things. The fact that this individual decided to live stream that display of just sheer cowardness um, is all I can say. Uh, it's it's something that I hope these streaming networks um, really clean up and stop to look at what you're putting on. Again, we have some fun here, but at no point do we really attack a person or do things that would, you know, honestly take lives. He took lives and and showed it. And it just it disgusted me. Um, unfortunately, I had the opportunity to see the video. Um, and it's, it was sickening. It was sickening. Um, I hope this man gets everything he deserves. And, and, and the fact of if they have the death penalty in New York, which I don't think they do, he's going to get many life sentences and never see the light of day again is what he deserves. And you know what? He should never see us another stream as well, because the fact that's how you decided to use it, you shouldn't even get to have the ability to watch anything ever again. But uh, it, just a sad story. Our hearts and prayers go out to those families that were affected by that and that whole community. Um, just a, a, a devastating story out of Buffalo. Very well said. Yes. And we do not take lies. We are not like Matt Harvey. But my final thought goes out to probably, you know, one of the most special songs for sports in history out of the movie chariots of fire vangelis passed away this week oh wow so that song that everybody knows mm -hmm. chariots of fire theme yep. didn't like the movie but the theme song is absolutely amazing and it has been recreated probably in many many sitcoms dramas you name it movies um when anywhere there's a race you yeah. think of chariots of fire yeah. seinfeld that, do, 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 seinfeld they had that, that exactly, one yeah. and exactly. You'll never forget it. yeah it's a <clears throat> well he passed away he also was the composer of blade runner wow. okay. you know so so you take take those two and all his music throughout throughout his time of composing you know and but we lost a great one a great one that's a great composer and chariots of fire will forever be you know in synonymous with that, that theme song. yes yeah. yes so you know our condolences to the family um at the time of filming you know doing the live show did not know what the cause of death was so um it probably came out at some point today but i just was not able to 
you know, find out or anything. But, you know, but, you know, it's a big loss. So, um, Angelus dead at 79. Wow. Wow. So, sad times, sad times. Uh, so, first off, I want to thank Todd Mackin for joining us tonight, president of Aspire Hockey, Spire Hockey. Um, great interview. Loved it. Um, hope you get to check that out. Check out their websites. Uh, really good um, information. That ECHL Hockey League is phenomenal. A lot going on there. So, like you said, if you have never been to a game, go to a game and see it. Ron, I want to thank you for your time tonight. Uh, I've had a blast. Great show. Great time. And we got to rag on Major League Baseball for a little bit. Today. Yes, we so did. That, that's always that's always fun for and us. And I didn't even, even think of the Red Sox. You know? <laughs> so... If you're joining us live, thank you for joining Chakra. Thanks for joining tonight. If you're going to watch us afterwards, you continue to follow Sports Unfolded. We are so close to 300 followers on Facebook. Looking forward to hit the, the magic number of 300 and then continue to grow from there. And Rhode Island Broadcasting. Don't forget to check out all the great shows on Rhode Island Broadcasting, including my co-host here, Pop Ascension, uh, with Michelle. That's a great show. A lot of fun. You see... Uh, they cover so many different topics. So make sure you check that out as well. But uh, tune in every Friday, 6 p.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Love having you. All we want in this world is peace. Yep. Take care, everyone. Have a good night. <laughs>